seven freeze. All right, I guess it's time to go. Uh, we are starting now. Uh, this is Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton of uh, on tech or of Inside Texas. Uh, this is on Texas Football Live. We didn't do the countdown today, so I'm a little uh, shocked that I was immediately put on the screen like that. Uh, Jerry, how you doing, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, Texas got any recruiting news or what? Anything going on? <laughs> well, I think it came up big yesterday, huh? Uh, Anthony Hill, five-star out of Denton Ryan, verbally pledges to the Longhorns. Three consensus five-stars now for Texas. 22 verbal commitments. Third-ranked class in the country. I mentioned the three five-stars. They've got six players that are in the top 50 in the country, Jerry. Yeah. you know, No doubt about it. I mean, look, it's a – I think the thing with this class, too, is they're really filling needs. I mean, it's one thing to have a class ranked number three in the country. Uh, that can be top heavy. That can be, you know, over-signing at a position. Um, but I think they've hit on a, a lot of needs in this class of everybody signs that's committed right now. You know, last year um, it was offensive line was really the position of need in the program. This year I feel like it's linebacker. And it's hard to – Imagine signing four better linebackers than Anthony Hill, Samaje Burrell, uh, Leona LaFowl, and, and Darren Gillette, whatever he ends up playing. So I think they've really done a good job. Malik Muhammad at corner, Derek Williams at safety. Uh, get flipping Colton Vosick a need on the edge. Sadir Mitchell is a big-time defensive tackle over the ball, losing Coburn, getting an impact guy there. I think they've done a great job filling needs and – 13 guys are early enrollees counting Anthony Hill. 13. So not only are you feeling needs, but you're bringing in guys in January that are going to impact next year's team. Am I wrong to say it's the top three linebacker prospects in the state? No. Nah, well, Samaje yeah. Burrell certainly said that on Twitter today. I, I, <laughs> I, he, he pretty much tweeted that out. <laughs> i tell you what, Jerry. Um, you know, we look at it right now, and Texas uh, – Top three in the country in recruiting. There's still some guys on on the on the uh, oh yeah on the on the table for Texas, including one that I mentioned this morning. Cecilia Kana, the uh, linebacker out of Utah, uh, is uh, looking at Texas uh, as much now as he ever has. I thought a week ago, or we thought a week ago, he's likely going to Oklahoma. I'm told that that is uh, no longer the case. That Texas has just as good a shot as any, if not better shot than any. Uh, of course, his sister is on the, the Texas volleyball team that's up in Omaha right now. Uh, she's a defensive specialist and played really well last night. Uh, that team will go on and play for the national championship on Saturday against Louisville. But Tassilia Kana, uh, an edge prospect out of Utah. Uh, and then we also have DeAndre Moore, the wide yep. receiver uh, out of Bellflower, California, Southern California area. He is committed to Louisville currently, uh, but Texas is thought to be uh, the odds-on favorite there despite his pledge elsewhere yeah no, no doubt about it I mean DeAndre Moore is a, a guy that Brendan Marion was out to see him again Sunday uh and, and I don't still we haven't thought he's going to Louisville for a long time it's really been Texas or Georgia uh but Texas continued to feel really good about this recruitment uh and I don't think there's you know here's this thing the only thing that would shake that up for me is if DeAndre Moore made an unofficial visit to Georgia this weekend or some somewhere, then maybe things get interesting. If he stays, if he stays in Southern California, I think things look really good for Texas. Um, if he shows up on a campus this weekend and it's not a Texas, not saying he's going anywhere, but if he were to, then it's a different game. Obviously, kind of, you know, he's a pass rush specialist. Um, he's an older kid for this class. He's 19 and a half years old. So physically, he's more of what you see is what you're going to get when you stack, you know, 20 pounds on him. He doesn't have the huge physical upside being a young prospect of a kid like a Braylon Shelby necessarily. But he's a he's a talented pass rusher. And I think if he goes to Texas, that is his, going to be his specialty. Hey, he's not the only one. Camorian Pimpton, who you first reported was expected to make an official visit to Texas this weekend, the big tight end out of Crow North Crowley. He's still uh, slated to come in, in your opinion, Jerry? Yeah, I've heard nothing otherwise. Um, that he's, he's still scheduled to be in, uh, and that's a big visit for Texas. Look, Deuce Robinson's not going to decide until February. Uh, Texas needs a playmaking tight end. That likelihood is Jatavion Sanders goes to the NFL after one more season. So they need somebody to come in and develop that has a lot of upside and a lot of talent. And 
Uh, Pimpton, you know, outside of Deuce Robinson, Pimpton has as much upside as anybody I've seen in the class. I mean, there just aren't guys that are 6'6", 220, that can split out and play receiver at the 6A level in Texas and catch 60 balls for 1,000 yards, can throw a shot put 55 feet as a junior. Um, at Vanderbilt, Texas level academically. I mean, he kind of checks all the boxes. Uh, he needs a he needs some time to develop physically. I mean, if you see him in person, Bobby, his lower body, which could, should, doesn't come as a surprise, is more physically developed than his upper body. He looks like a young kid, 16-year-old kid in his upper body. His lower body has more strength to it. Obviously, you don't throw the shot but 55 feet without explosion and strength. Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, that that I, I feel like uh, we talk about it all the time. Track and field uh, both equate uh, a lot of times to the football field. And, and, you know, we know that there are track guys that try to play football and football players that run track. I'm not uh, dismissing that. Uh, but this is a guy that's uh, proved himself on on field as well. I was watching his film the other day. I don't know how many touchdowns Pimpton caught this past weekend, but it was eerily similar to what Jatavian Sanders did uh, as a senior in high school when he was uh, flanked out wide and basically just abused people one on one. I think the most impressive thing, and he I think he caught seventeen eight or nineteen touchdowns. I think I was by North Crowley this week, and I talked with uh, the coaching staff there. And the most impressive thing. I kind of picked up from those conversations was how physical he is as a blocker. And it may not show up because he's got to get stronger, but they said there were times where they had to get him. Hey man, you know, this guy's on the, on lane six of the track over here. We got to chill out. We need you for the rest of the game. So he's got a physical mindset about him. He's just got to get stronger. So it's going to be able to show on the power five level, but he does not lack. He, he checks that box of physicality. Uh, Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com joins us here. Uh, Ian, I'm just now getting to you. I'm sorry we brought you in a little bit late today. Uh, but I want to get your take because uh, the next topic is going to be the portal. Um, and Texas at this point has been very judicious in the portal. They did pick up a punter, Ryan Sanborn from Stanford. Uh, they are bringing in Gavin Holmes, a cornerback out of uh, Wake Forest, uh, this weekend for an official visit. What are your thoughts about Texas's uh idea of being judicious right now it certainly play it 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 makes sense now that you're seeing guys like anthony hill jump on board last night cecilia Kana now coming back around Uh, oh you got a big defensive end edge commitment last week or this week that i'm sure had him uh rethinking things what are your thoughts about that portion of texas and more specifically and this is my take and i want to get your feel on it i feel like there are not a lot of quote-unquote difference makers in the portal so texas is not going to stretch for those guys and pass over a good high school guy at this point is, is that kind of your feeling too or is, is there a little bit of a mix there ian seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, especially a lot of the positions for Texas would like to add someone are ultra-athlete, high-impact positions, you know, wide receiver. You don't want just anybody at wide receiver. If if it could be just anybody, you probably already got them on your roster. Defensive end for pass rush. You don't want just anybody rushing the passer. Maybe Ethan Burke could be pretty good next year. Justice Finkley could slide over. You only want to add somebody if he's really going to get after it and and be a boost to the program. Linebacker, obviously, they probably wanted to nail down the Ant Hill deal before they worried about that. Maybe they even wait till after spring and see how uh, Hill and and I'm going to butcher the name Liu Fao Liu Fao. Uh, someone help me from uh, Kuhuku, Hawaii. Uh, Join the club butchering that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I'm a charter member for those Polynesian names butchering. But, um, yeah, sa- safety, I think we're seeing a little movement a little faster in the secondary. And um, I think that's partially because I don't know if they've made – have they made an offer yet at safety or is, is there just a particular – we know that they're that they are looking at the, at the Syracuse guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we think that the, that the Syracuse guy may be a possibility. We have we haven't heard that they've actually contacted him yet, though. 
Um, furthermore, uh, we're hearing that Jalen uh, Jalen Catalan, uh, multi-year starter at Arkansas, is expected to go in the portal. And he's look, a- if that ha- if that happens, he's number one. If that happens, he is number one on the board. Not even close. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy from the Dallas Fort Worth area that Texas finished probably runner up on. Um, uh, but if he actually jumps in the portal, I can't imagine anybody being ahead of him. Yeah. Ian. Yeah, the uh, the Syracuse guys maybe a little different skill set. If they want a little more coverage, then maybe the Syracuse guy is is the pick. But if you if you want somebody to be downhill in physical from the hash like Anthony Cook was last year, then Catalan, you know, you know, that's an upgrade. That's that's Anthony Cook plus. But to your point, Bobby, the the only offer we've seen them make in the portal is for a proven high impact player. In uh, in Holmes, because you know there's no there's no rush to to fill in a, a role player. You can find those later on. And and, there, and it's different today than it was two years ago when Sark first got the job, where he had to. I mean, the the roster was in complete disarray almost uh, because of the attrition during the uh, late Tom Herman era. There's so much attrition they had to just take bodies to get them get guys on campus uh, to fill roster spots. And you saw a little bit of what happens when you do that. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to take, you know, that bad mouth anybody that ended up playing for Texas, but what ends up happening is you don't have anybody. Those players end up having to play because you don't have anybody else. And uh, <clears throat> I think that that ends up hurting you long-term if you're just reaching for additional guys as opposed to uh, quote unquote players. Hey, hey, Bobby, any, Bobby, anything else for me? I've got to jump out for, for a while. Anything okay, else no, for me? No, I, I think you're I, – I would ask you one other question. Uh, yep. People have asked about Peyton Bowen, number one. I want to ask and see if there's anything there to Texas. Is his relation with relationship with Anthony Hill such that he might reconsider looking at Texas? And then number two, um, is there are there any other people other than Akana – um, Tyler Scott, who's visiting this weekend, De- DeAndre Moore, and then Kamori and Pimpton that you're aware of that Texas is still tracking. I just have not heard enough that uh, Texas has enough time or is making up any ground on Peyton Bowen. Look, if he doesn't show up in Austin this weekend, I say zero chance um, on that one. Jacoby Lane. I mean, Texas still fighting on Jacoby Lane. I mean, if you're still in the fight, that means you're getting positive feedback, right? I mean, if it, that, you won't spin your wheels on that. Um, you know, Texas has talked with Kyle Park a lot, but I think since Ryan Niblett reaffirmed his commitment, I'm not sure if Texas tries to bring in Parker this weekend. If they do, we have not heard about that. Jelani McDonald with the Anthony Hill commitment, you know, I, it's hard to see that number fitting, especially if Texas goes to a con. I mean, not that they're the same position, but it's just a numbers game at some point. Uh, and I look, I would love to have McDonald in the program and in this class. I think he's a phenomenal upside athlete, but you already have three and a half linebackers committed with Darren Gillette being kind of a hybrid. So I'm not sure there's a need in this class to take another one. Um, yeah. All right, Jerry, I, I appreciate that. I know you yeah. got a doctor. Right, guys. All right. Ha- take care of yourself, buddy. Hey, Ian, uh, I want to talk about this, and, and this is a question that that's, you know, we get this a lot. <clears throat> it's from David Williams. I know Texas has received a transfer punter from Florida, but Eddie, Eddie from Arizona State was actually the first all-Big 12, all-Pac-12 first-team punter, and he was in the portal. I wonder why Texas didn't go after him. Um, I don't know if Eddie was a grad transfer or not, but Ryan Sanborn is. And here's a little secret about Texas in the portal that not everybody knows. And it, it's not just Texas. It's other schools, too. Not all of your hours transfer to Texas if you're transferring in as a senior. So if you've been somewhere for more than 60 hours, it, you can only transfer 60 of those hours to Texas. Now, there are some uh, exclusion exclusions of that and some other stuff. But Frankly, it's hard to get a guy that's going to be a college senior to come in as a col- and reclassify as a college junior from a number of hours in order to earn his degree. Um, and so I, I would say that. But, but there's another point here, too. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> Texas needed a punter, period. Uh, they lose Daniel Trejo. Uh, I, Isaac Pearson, I think, was politely told, hey, you might want to transfer. 
they couldn't go into you know next season without a starting quality punter like they did this year when they kind of got lucky with Daniel, Daniel Trejo. Your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, I can't say that I've been scouting the punters in the portal uh, to speak to whether one guy may or may not be more talented. But, yeah, I know that Texas can get some leeway with academics on high school seniors from admissions. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy, part of the reason he was able to get into Texas is because he wanted to enroll early at Michigan. And uh, their admissions did not go along very well with the football program's desire to get him in there. They didn't want to accept the whatever coursework he had to get the requisite hours. And so he ends up, so he's like, okay, this I'm not about this Michigan anymore. And then Texas was able to seize that opportunity to get him. But yeah, it's very different with grad transfers. You're talking about, you know, serious grad programs at the University of Texas to try to get into. Um, and Stanford also, there's a lot of times these guys are grad transfers that are available from Stanford because uh, however stringent the Texas grad school programs can be, the Stanford ones are a million times harder. Like if you're a football player, you're not a shoe-in to be able to do grad school at Stanford. And it's very common to see guys that you're like, well, why doesn't that guy come back? He would obviously still be good for Stanford. And the reason is, is that they're uh, uncompromising with their grad school. So those are, yeah, just to, just to play off what you're saying, there's a lot of those sort of, <laughs> there's, there are still student athlete dynamics to this that, that come up every now and then, especially when you're talking about something like a punter or Stanford transfer. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, by the way, the Stanford punter doesn't graduate till March. So he won't be there for spring ball. He'll have to wait till the, the summer. Uh, but he will be a grad transfer, uh, which is interesting. Um, <clears throat> here, here are some other thoughts. Uh, talking about the defensive line and the potential of a portal prospect, given that it sounds like Dylan Spencer, the longtime Texas commit out of Houston, C.E. King, is going to flip to Houston, is our belief. And that uh, uh, Justin Benton, the defensive lineman out of Georgia, looks like he's going to stay with West Virginia after Texas did not push for his commitment following this weekend's uh, this past weekend's official visit. Uh, and then there's a lack of interest from David Hicks. Will Texas hit the portal for defensive, L, defensive line? Ian, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think they still need adult depth on the defensive line right now. They have Tavondre Sweat ostensibly coming back. They have Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, um, and then Byron Murphy. Those are the four, but I still think they need a fifth because Anthony Bryant is still just a young guy. And he was really their only uh, only uh, uh, young guy last year. And Sadir Mitchell, he's a young guy too, but we got to wait and see how he looks once he gets here. Your thoughts on that? Um, well, sometimes I, I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot, but it is. Sometimes I have to just from the Tom Herman era where it's like, well, they got they have two running backs. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depth was depth, depth was not always a priority in that in that time, and it is for Sark. I don't know. I think that they have – I think they'll play with – they They were committed to playing with two edges this year, and I think their depth on the edge is actually going to be better next year. Um, and then you also have, like, you know, Christopher Ryan Ross with another weight, another uh, winter weight program, um, as well as uh, – has helped me out. There's – I mean, uh, Swanson, and uh, I know there's another defensive tackle in there too. Anthony Bryant is the defensive tackle. Oh. Sidear Mitchell, I, th I think, may play sooner than later, just watching his cut-ups and just how freakishly massive he is. Um, so I don't know that they really need to unless there's like an impact player, you know. It seems like they're in pretty good shape unless they want to play really heavy three down uh, to need more bodies. Because if you're just rotating two spots and you've got Murphy, Collins, Sweat, and uh, Broughton, I mean, you're too deep at both interior positions. If you want to play with a, a big swing, strong side in more often so that you really have a third spot, then potentially, but you still have these like uh, redshirt freshmen coming up that, that may fit the bill. I guess one way to answer this question is whether or not they go to the portal for a player might be indicative of how they feel about the development of the underclassmen. I, I would, no, I, I feel like you're right, um, but I do think they have to take a tackle. Um, if they're not going to bring in another tackle via uh, the high school class this year. 
because sure. it, I, think about it. Next year, Collins, Broughton, and Sweat would be would be gone, and you only have three three remaining that are in the program really. And so it's not just about this year; it's right. about the following year as well. Um, that definitely makes sense. I think you're right. But uh, to that point, if you're looking, if you're talking about filling in another guy that's going to be like a frontline starter at defensive tackle, you, you you fire if you see the opportunity this cycle. But maybe you wait till you're potentially waiting till the next uh, year when you can promise a better chance at playing time, right? Yep. Because the sell for playing time for defensive tackle and the transfer portal right now is a little tough to make unless, uh, you know, unless you can sell them like, Hey, we don't, we, we're not believing in Alfred Collins. You come in here, you're going to play a ton. But gotcha. I don't, I don't know. Um, on with uh, Ian Boyd, Jerry Hamilton joined us earlier. If you've missed the news, uh, Texas getting a commitment last night uh, from Anthony Hill, the five-star linebacker out of Denton Ryan. Uh, pushes Texas up to number three in the national on-three team recruiting rankings. Third, uh, five-star for Texas in this recruiting class, joining uh, the nation's top quarterback uh, in uh, uh, the nation's top quarterback, Arch Manning, as well as the nation's top running back, uh, uh, Cedric Baxter, out of Orlando, Florida. Um, there's also been news in the, the transfer portal. Uh, Texas is bringing in Gavin Holmes, defensive back, out of Wake Forest, originally from Archbishop Rummel in the uh, New Orleans area. Uh, and then we just it was just announced today that it's likely that Jalen Catalan, a four-year starter at Arkansas at safety, is expected to hit the portal as well. Uh, my guess is that Texas or anybody would have some interest there. Uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly what that looks like. Um, Hopefully uh, not Oklahoma, right? What's that? Hopefully not Oklahoma, right? Uh, well, I don't think – you know, you don't know what he's going to do, uh, but I don't know that I, – I, I'm of the opinion – and tell me if you're wrong about this, Ian. I'm of the opinion that I'm more concerned about who Texas gets than who goes elsewhere. With the exception of quarterback and maybe, uh, unless you really think a guy is a difference maker, game changer, which, you know, Catalan might, might be, I just don't know that I worry about that as much as I do worry about getting the guys that Texas needs itself. Uh, because... You know, you, you can get caught up in – it's one thing Matt Brown told me that – and he said Joe Paterno told him a long, long ago. He said, worry about the ones on your team because you see them 365 days a year. Don't worry about the ones that don't, don't go your way because the most you'll see them is four times in four years. I think strategically and philosophically that's exactly right. I think, though, that Oklahoma should have a special place in every Longhorn fan's heart where the hatred and the, the wish for ill is in your heart. And you should always root for Oklahoma to not do well in the transfer portal or otherwise. And uh, maybe Mac Brown should have had a little more of that Grinch-like dislike for Oklahoma himself because uh, he came off the worst in that rivalry uh, more often than not. Yep. Hey, uh, Manuel Posada is asking us a question. I want to get to it real quick. Are DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of uh, – uh, out of uh, California and Cecilia Kana, the linebacker uh, from Utah, expected to be early enrollees wherever they choose to go. I do not know that answer immediately. I haven't looked into that. I know Moore is playing in an all-star game. Uh, let me manual. I, I've got that question logged, and uh, I will. I sent a text out to the group. I'm guessing I will get an answer uh, back from the group here pretty quick. Uh, and I say the group, and I mean the U, uh, the Inside Texas. Uh, recruiting uh, inter internal chat that I'm on uh, with the guys. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, hey, Ian, I, I want to take one step back and ask you about the University of Washington and the bowl game coming up, because I know you do uh, a lot of uh, X's and O's stuff. Uh, anything that's struck you and your uh, diligence on this game at this point? Mostly just um, Washington has pass rushers. They, you know, they didn't always have great pass rushers for Pete Kwiatkowski. He, he kind of made the most of not impressive recruiting on the edge position. Uh, what he has at Texas right now is an embarrassment of riches compared to what he recruited for himself at Washington. But towards the end of his tenure, they started to collect a few more talented guys, and they have sort of come to come to fruition now this year under their uh, the new coaching staff. They run 
similar Kwiatkowski type schemes. Um, I don't know that that's really a big concern for Texas. Texas faced a lot of good pass rushers this year and held up really well, but it is a strength of Washington and it's not necessarily a common strength in college football to have good pass rushers on either edge like they do. The bigger concern is, is more that they have uh, the Panix, the quarterback, and 2,000-yard receivers that are all, as far as last I heard, all playing in this game. And so this is a, a talented, skilled, proven offensive team. Well, maybe on a different level than the teams Texas has played in the Big 12. The Big 12 has been not exactly up to its normal, its old standards on offense. It's been a little more of a defensively driven league in the last couple of years. And uh, Washington may be one of the better offenses Texas faces this year. So I I foresee a a really challenging game for Texas. I'm curious what their, uh, what their attitude and mindset towards this game will be and how, how hard they push in bowl practices to really try to send a message in this game. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, more from the Washington passing attack and just how good it is. Michael Penix, the quarterback and what they're able to do. But, uh, I, you know, I look at it and Texas was able to run the ball on just about everybody in the second half of the season, uh, except for TCU. Uh, and I wonder if that's where they're going to go heavy this year, even are this in this bowl game, even though, uh, they lose both B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, uh, to the bowl game. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, a couple other questions, and I am taking questions right now for everybody, uh, just so y'all know. That's what we're trying to do today: uh, is get in as many questions as possible. Um, let's take this one, David Rawls. Any news on the end from um, Texas A&M uh, to Misi Adelaye from Katie Tompkins? Katie Tompkins, Texas is not supposed, not expected to uh, try to recruit him at this point. That would be the update. Uh, thoughts on I. Victor Masai or Masil says, I thought Tavondre Sweat was staying. He is. If I said something different, I misspoke or, or someone misheard. Uh, but I believe Tavondre Sweat will be in a Longhorn f- uniform uh, this time next year. Um, I'm looking around here just trying to get other qu- uh, other questions uh, today. Uh, are we still in play for Tassilia Akana? Just joined. Might have missed an up- update. That's from Sean Gonzalez. The answer is uh, yes, uh, Texas still involved uh, there uh, for him. Um, you have anything? A couple notes. On, yeah, I have a couple things. Uh, on Akana and Oklahoma in general, they play a lot of three-down defense this year. There was a lot of rumors that they were looking to play to, to double down in that direction in the coming year. Um, and you wonder if that may be partly why uh, the door opened back up for Texas to swoop in and steal back Vosick, who uh, probably could play in a three-down. He's such a big kid with a, a frame that's likely to fill out. But he's a pass rusher, and that may not have been as interesting to him as playing in Texas's scheme. And then for Akana, both the move to three-down and then the acquisition of that uh, freshman transfer from Indiana, Desan McCullough, that would figure to play their hybrid outside linebacker position where would be Akana's best fit. So they brought in a transfer that's only used one year of eligibility over him. So some of these Oklahoma moves and, and schematic directions may have opened the door for Texas to uh, to get in on these guys. You had that point earlier about how Sark has tended to, to wait and see on some of his top priority targets. And you kind of see why, because college football has so many things move so fast in college football. And if you're just uh, hanging around the rim, like uh, Eric or Jerry often like to say, you can, you know, you're just in position for the, the slam dunk when uh, there's a coaching change and a player changes his mind, or maybe he wants to transfer out a year or two later and then you're ready to collect. So, um, yeah, go ahead. And- I, got, I got another one for you here, Ian, and get your comment on this because I have a specific thought, but I want to get yours. It's from Joel McWaters. Is Alfred Collins ever going to play to his talent level? Here's, here's my thought on that. I actually thought he started doing that late in the year. I felt like he kind of announced his presence. I would say maybe the TCU game on, um, maybe a little bit against Kansas State as well. What do you think of that, uh, Ian? I agree. I think um, it's it was an adjustment to the new style that they play. And uh, it was a little – I mean, he flashed a lot in 2021. There were moments where it's like, oh, my, this guy's one of the most dominant football players on the field. 
And then there were moments where he was like an, a liability, just depending on, you know, what he was being asked to do from down to down. And um, I wonder kind of if this year he his development slowed a little bit just because there were so many guys ahead of him, getting snaps ahead of him. And uh, this next year is is like a contract year for him. Um, he should the, the way is clear for him to get a lot of snaps, to get a lot of attention from Bo Davis. So I, I, I it's optimistic, but I think he may put it all together this year as well. The the timing is right. He's had a lot of time to get used to the scheme. So yeah, that I mean, and that could be. I mean, how big would that be if Alfred Collins put it all together next year? Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Yep, I want to say thank you to our sponsor uh, real quick, Andy Ludicky. Uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. He may give you a couple to even choose from. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We really appreciate his continued support of the live stream. Uh, he's been with us almost from the get-go this year and uh, been a very, very good guy uh, for us to work with, and we appreciate him uh, a ton. Uh, you know, Ian, I, I think of this, and I, they're asking you this deliberate question from a guy that goes by East 8th. For Ian, if you're Sark, do you focus on developing the quick game that complemented the run better late in the year? Or do you fix, or do you focus on fixing the protection and deep passing? What's the priority there for the off season? I assume. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you'd like to do both. If, if Jordan Whittington comes back, or if they're able to get good possession receivers in the portal, or both, both of those may happen. I don't. We don't know yet. Um, that you'd like to be able to add more quick game. Plus, you know, you have Jatavian Sanders. They have to. Uh, they have to fix the deep passing, though. I mean, what what are you doing if you have Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers in a power run game and you're not hitting shots down the field? Like, what what is all what is all this for? If if, if you're not hitting this like easy, I'd be like, <laughs> be like having a low post scorer surrounded by three point shooters that keep breaking threes and being like, well, should we work on the mid range game? Well, you should really make those threes. They're wide open every game. They're going to start blowing teams away if you can get that right. So they they have to they have to get that right. But um, I do think that that quick passing game and the, and the drop back passing game those are things that tend to come with time because your quarterback has to have a really thorough understanding of coverages. He's got to know the routes. He's got to have the timing on the throws down really well. He has to have trust with his receivers. He has to understand the the interplay between blitzing and protections and where he's hot and where he has to throw the ball. If he gets pressured, those things all take time. It, it tend, they tend to be a privilege of a team with a veteran quarterback. So I do think that that's stuff that they're going to want to expand upon next year. The quick screens and things that they mixed in at times when they couldn't just bomb away and, and run the ball from heavier sets. Um, that'll be there again. I think they could have done that more this year. It's just, why do that if you can just put big bodies on the field and mix deep shots and runs? So they went for that ladder formula when they could, and then they, the, the deep shots didn't land, so they had to concede and throw screens instead, if that makes sense. Um, all right, here we go. Any word on the coaching staff are Brennan Marion, the wide receiver coach, and Gary Patterson, uh, the special assistant to the head coach, locked in for next year? I would say that Brennan Marion is at this point. Uh, he's expected to return. He's not leaving for a, a uh, lateral job or anything like that. Uh, saying that someone like Gary Patterson is locked in is a different category, though. Uh, you just don't know what opportunities are going to be afforded him uh, in a se- in an offseason like this one. Uh, he was up for the uh, UNLV head job 
Uh, also talked to uh, some other people uh, for other head coaching jobs as well. I would say that Marion is more likely uh, to be in Burn Orange come August than Patterson, but I think most are more than a majority expect them both to be back next year. I hope that makes sense the way I, I tried to explain that. I don't think either are expected to leave, at least at this point. They uh, Do you get the sense that Patterson would like to stay in Austin and maybe potentially have a more uh, a field coaching role? No. Uh, I think I, I think that he what he's looking for, if he does not, uh, if he is not the head coach, would be a GM type position uh, in, on the college level uh, where he oversees uh, and manages different aspects of uh, the roster. But by and large, I don't I don't expect that to happen at Texas. Uh, but I do think that he likes Austin, enjoys his time there. He, he's 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 listening, but he's not soliciting is my understanding right now. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. the guy's got multiple millions of dollars stacked away. He doesn't need to go uh, take just any job. He needs to uh, be uh, selective and, and make that uh, a reality for him. He's unquestionably been an asset for the Texas program. In what way, Ian? You know, try to – because a lot of people say, oh, he's good for – look at that defense. It's got Gary Patterson's handprints all over it. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you you wonder – they changed their weight program a little bit after he came. Uh, I think they may have hired a consultant as well. I'm not sure. But um, coincidentally or not, they hired Gary Patterson, and shortly after their weight program for the winter changed to something that would resemble what they did at TCU. Uh, focusing on heavy weights and, and Olympic lifts and things. So he may have had influence there. I, I don't know. Um, he definitely had influence in the coverage package. They basically ran the Gary Patterson coverage package last year. Um, and as the season wore on, they leaned on it probably, I would say, more and more than, than even earlier in the year. The uh, style of quarters coverages they ran were Gary Patterson. Uh, they even mixed in his dime package against Texas Tech, although it didn't really land very well and they kind of abandoned it maybe we'll see that in the future um you know the 245 is Kwiatkowski's specialty they at times this year looked more like just a basic 425 and you wonder if that was some of Patterson's input as well just hey simplify it to this and it'll be a little easier on the and the personnel and the personnel it fit the personnel better um yeah yeah, it, it was a good fit for Sorrell playing that sort of strong side in like TCU would use. Definitely didn't hurt the Gofu. Uh, Patterson is no stranger to having smaller ends. Um, they did not use Gary Patterson's fronts. At TCU, they would slant and slide a lot, and Pete Kwiatkowski and Bo Davis don't, don't play those games. But uh, the coverages, yeah, the trips coverage, the, the way they use the nickel, a lot of these things are all – obvious Gary Patterson things. And I feel pretty confident saying that at the very least he, he nudged them in the direction to, to use those, uh, to use those packages. And they worked really well for Texas. They executed them really, really nicely. And uh, probably a good bet that he was helpful also in developing the players to, to run the, those packages the way that he likes to, the way he liked to at TCU. So Gary Joseph, Terry Joseph ran things like that in the past. Uh, Blake Gideon has some experience, but I, at the very least, it seems like Gary Patterson's presence in the in the staff meetings tipped the scales towards doing things a certain way in a way that was very beneficial to Texas this year. Uh, taking your your questions here on the Longhorn live stream on Texas football, I'm with Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. InsideTexas.com right now has a special four months for a new subscriber for just one dollar. Give us a try uh, if you get a chance uh, for four months for just $1 to see uh, what it's all about at InsideTexas.com. Uh, we're taking your questions, so please put them in the chat uh, located uh, below. <clears throat> Here, here's I'm going to ask. Rob is such a nice guy. He's, he's on almost all of our uh, chats these days and live streams. What would it take for Texas to move from number three to number one in class recruiting? Rob, I don't know that it's possible. Um, maybe getting Peyton Bowen uh, and uh, getting a, a couple other guys, I just don't know. Uh, but Alabama, is my it's my understanding that right now 
the Crimson Tide are the runaway favorites to land the uh, nation's number one recruiting class. Uh, you could try to go in there. We have a class calculator you can use to go on and try to figure out who would uh, uh, come about and, and whatnot. But right now it's Alabama one, Georgia is number two, Texas three. Uh, Miami has been on a roll of late, uh, flipping a lot of players. They did lose a guy last week, or yesterday uh, to Auburn. Ohio State's probably going to finish strong as well. Uh, I'm expecting Texas to finish in the top three to five range at this point. Uh, I don't know if they'll move all the way up into the top two, even with uh, a couple of more uh, recruits. Thank you for your donation there, uh, Rob, as well. We appreciate it. Um, like, uh, Bobby, it looks like Nick Saban complaining to his boosters about AM's deep pockets uh, got the result he wanted, huh? Uh, you know, in this day and age of NIL, um, I think that you have to recognize and understand that it's going to play a role, even though it's not supposed to in recruiting by NCAA rules, it automatically does because when those kids go to campus, they hear how other kids on that campus are being treated from an NIL perspective. And thereby it has this uh, inverted uh, effect uh, about it. And so I feel like you got to realize that that's going to happen and, and just deal with it. And it is the, the way going forward. Got another question from Dodgers fan. This is a portal uh, theory question. What if Jonte Cook or Ryan Niblett don't pan out the way we want? Why hasn't Texas tried to go after the transfer wide receiver from Missouri? I think his name's Dominic Lovett. <clears throat> I'll try to answer that. You can't get them all. And the minute you start trying to uh, go after guys that other guys know will start right away, what does that do to Xavier Worthy? Does that make him want to transfer? Does it make Jordan Whittington not want to come back? Does it mean Isaiah Nayor wants to start looking to transfer? There is a limit here. You have to be smart. And I think Steve Sarkeesian has proven pretty intelligent about this. He hasn't overwhelmed anybody with offers. Uh, he's been, like we said, we use the term judicious. Uh, that's what it's been. And you've got to realize that it just you just can't go out there and offer everybody and not – not realize it's not going to have a trickle-down effect on other people uh, on your current roster. Um, all right. Uh, next one I want to ask is, this will be for uh, e, uh, for Ian. Any chance we try and we, we can find a true number one receiver to field next year? Worthy is a great player, but would better thrive if someone could command attention. What are your thoughts? Is Xavier Worthy a number one receiver in your, your estimation at this point? I think so. I mean, he led the league in touchdown catches. Um, there are probably times when they used him improperly. There were times when Quinn Ewers seemed kind of locked in on him for picking up third downs, whereas like Xavier Worthy over the middle on third down is probably not his best utilization, right? He's not necessarily going to risk it all for the ball like uh, Jatavian Sanders would. But I don't know that they need – I mean, if they if you can get more weapons and they fit in your system, then get more weapons. But if Nayor is healthy, if Whittington comes back, you got Jatavian Sanders, maybe the best receiving tight end in the country. That probably is right. You got Xavier. I don't know that they need more weapons. They just need to get better at, uh, you know, finding the timing at quarterback, figuring out how to play to all their weapons' strengths, uh, building schemes that that have synergy between their uh, strengths as route runners. I don't think that, you know, it's not like they need, you know, you get a, you can get a Jordan Addison great, but they don't really, I don't know that they really need a guy like that. They just need to make it work with what they have. Um, so I guess uh, the, my answer is basically no. I've got, I got a question for you at some point. I was going to ask Jerry, but I'll ask, <laughs> I'll ask you. I'm sure you have an opinion. Do you Go think – yeah, do you think it's most likely that Anthony Hill stays at inside linebacker and dominates there, or that he eventually slides down to an edge position as a pass rusher? It's a little bit of me that sees uh, Sergio Kendall. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. Um, uh, Kendall obviously uh, was a middle linebacker at Woodrow Wilson, also played running back uh, in high school, just like uh, you know uh, Anthony Hill does at times. Uh, and so I understand where you're going with that. And the answer is, I don't know. 
I, I think that there's such a need at, at middle linebacker and the way Texas uses its middle linebacker now is different than what it did uh, when uh, Sergio was playing for Will Muschamp. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know that. I Look, I think he, I think the, the key with Anthony Hill and the reason he's a five-star is that he's a disruptive player. It's not so much that he's a linebacker versus an edge. It's that you put him at line, you put him at running back, and he scores a fifty-yard touchdown, and moves the pile every single time. Or you put him at linebacker, and he strips up, you know, comes up with two strip sacks or a, a strip tackle, forced fumble. Um, that's that's why you got to be excited about Anthony Hill. It's not necessarily his positional fit. Uh, we talk all the time, Ian, and, and I know you preach it too. You have to have difference makers um, if you're going to be great at something. You can't just have – you can be really good at execution and mitigate problems. Like Iowa State, for example, right? They're really well coached on defense. What would they be if they had three five-stars that were first-round picks? All of a sudden, they're – you get my point, right? right? All of a sudden, they go from a really good defense that plays team together to a defense that is despicable, right? And that's where you want Texas to get. And I thought Texas showed some signs of becoming a cohesive defense this year. Mm-hmm. So if you can add those pieces to it, it, it becomes a different group. Not unlike what we saw at Washington, Washington under Kwiatkowski when he had all those DBs and defensive tackles. Uh, and so uh, I feel like that's the that's my take on that. You know who else he reminds me of? I actually made that Kindle comp the other day. Uh, oh, really? Somebody asked me. On, yeah. It, um, Shadrach Banks a little bit in that he's got really special acceleration and speed for somebody that's so naturally big and thick. Um, only, only if Shadrach Banks, instead of playing receiver, had gotten three years of really quality education on playing inside linebacker rather than having to learn it later in his career at TCU. Um, Banks, bank, though, the issue with Banks, he doesn't use his hands well. So I, I, I would, I would, I think that's a, I think Banks is more of a chase linebacker than a middle linebacker. And I, I use the term chase linebacker because that was, that's what we used to call the outside linebacker that kind of okay. ran free. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would, I, I hear that, uh, but I definitely think he's more like Kendall a little bit bo- different body build. He's a little more top heavy than Kendall was maybe. Um, uh, but we, we'll, ha- and which is what he is like from Shad Banks perspective. Right. Uh, I want to say thank hey, you buddy. to our sponsor real quick. Oh, hold on a second. And I got to say thank you to Andy Ludicky. Uh, he's been a big help for us and I need to do that. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Andy's a partner of Inside Texas and on Texas football. We appreciate him. Uh, what were you going to say, Ian? I was going to say, for anybody that hasn't watched Anthony Hill at Den Ryan, he plays um, he plays inside linebacker. In Texas scheme, it would actually be Will, but they keep him in the box. So Mike is a, is a good is it probably better for the, for the lay fan. Um, he'll play on the edge on third downs. He's extremely disruptive blitzing either from the edge or when he blitzes inside. It's kind of like what Todd Orlando always wanted at Texas is an inside linebacker that can blitz an inside gap and blow by a guard because Hill has the, the length and the power to do that. And then they would also use him as a wildcat quarterback. And he's, you can find, if you just search for him on Twitter or something, You'll find clips of him as a Wildcat quarterback just running over people and, and breaking away. He looks like he might have four or five speed at 230 pounds, long arms. Um, yeah, I tell you what we're going to do, Ian, this is a good point. Uh, the rest of this thing, we'll, we'll run out his highlights for a few minutes here while we take some other questions. Does that sound like a plan? That way people can get a sense of what he looks like on film. We're t- talking about uh, Anthony Hill out of Denton Ryan while we take a couple more questions. Uh, Ian, this one's a good one for you. You think Cedric Baxter will split reps with Jonathan Brooks in 2023? Baxter, of course, the running back uh, out of Orlando that's committed to Longhorns. 
I definitely think so. I, there's no point in putting a ton of miles on his body as a freshman before he's had a chance to fill out and develop more. Uh, he's the kind of guy Baxter is that you figure could get 200 to 300 carries in a season and hold up really well, but you don't need to rush into that. You know, it's not like Cedric Benson um, and Brooks, you know, Brooks may be better next year than Baxter. I don't think that would shock anyone. Brooks looks really, really good. So I, I anticipate probably not good enough to keep Baxter off the field entirely. Right. So I, yeah, I anticipate more of a platoon next year. They don't really, it doesn't seem like Sark. It seems like he would rather go 60, 40 than 50, 50. Does it seem like that to you? Or is, is it just that Bijan has been so good that. You know, I think that he likes having a, uh, a go-to guy. Yeah. I think most, uh, most, uh, Offensive head coaches like that, um, and most and the reason why is because it gives your team an identity. Um, I don't know who will get the most out of those two. I think it'll depend on who has the best spring. All right, who yeah, who has the best spring and summer, and how quickly Baxter takes to pass pro, and if Brooks is good in pass protection as well. Uh, we haven't really seen that from uh, Jonathan Brooks at this point, so it, it's going to depend on a lot of the little things. The one thing I will say is I really, really like the Texas running backs coach to shard choice. I think he's a good coach and I think he's an excellent recruiter. Um, and one of the reasons why is he's played the game at the highest level um, and been a player himself, knows what it takes uh, to get on the field, even though he's not necessarily been the most talented running back on any team that he's necessarily been on in, at the pro level for sure. And so I think that's a that's a big deal. Um, <clears throat> I want to go to something a little different now. Uh, Ian, how fast this has come from Frank DeCluitt. How fast will a resolution come for Texas OU to move to the SEC? Any new updates? Uh, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network uh, took uh, uh, made a tweet earlier this week that is on par with everything we have heard at InsideTexas.com. And that's that everything looks like Texas is set to go to the SEC a year earlier than what has been publicly stated, and that it appears to be the 2024 season. Uh, the reason behind that is not only does Texas want out of that in Oklahoma, but the rest of the Big 12 wants it now, too. Furthermore, it helps those teams go ahead and move on uh, and get going now that they have their own deal with a network. Um, and so that allows them to move forward uh, as a conference uh, and get going with their new identity uh, and branding. So uh, everything I hear is that it is continue going that direction. Uh, the timeline for that, some people said a month or two. That's kind of nebulous. I think it can be as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as any day to six months from now. You know, I, I really believe that. So, Doesn't it seem a little bit suspicious to you, Bobby? Like what is, what's in it for the rest of the, what's in it for the irate eight, so to speak, and allowing Texas and Oklahoma to get out early? They you can think- move on. I mean, those guys need to move on. And plus, if you think about it, when I think 24 is when the 12 team playoff comes, you I, remove you remove Texas and Oklahoma from that equation from the league. I, I think where those guys are going to get the benefit of the doubt over the other teams. A lot of young people, perspective. A lot of young people will say it was good for them when they got off the parents' insurance or the credit <laughs> card. It doesn't mean they were in a hurry to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it just makes I me speak from experience there. I, <laughs> this makes I me wonder from a conspiracy theory standpoint, if, uh, if the big 12 season opportunity, maybe to maybe the, the, the off season story of them poaching from the pac 12, I wonder if they see an opportunity to make that happen a little faster. If, uh, if they can cut cleanly with resolve the Texas, Oklahoma deal, that's what the conspiracy part of me thinks when I hear that. Yep. Um, Zachary, Zachary Evans asks, with Hill on the list, does this give us a chance at Hicks or am I just being too spoiled right now? Sorry if I already covered. Uh, Zach, we'll go ahead and I, I, we didn't really talk much about that because Jerry uh, Hamilton had to go very uh, quickly. He had a doctor's appointment. Uh, but the reality of it is um, that uh, we do not expect David Hicks to be in this recruiting class for the Longhorns. He'll either stick with A&M or head off to Oklahoma is our belief at this point in time. Texas coach Bo Davis was by uh, the Katy High School or Paytow earlier this week, and I don't think there was much of a budge there uh, from uh, David Hicks uh, at this point. 
So uh, I think that's where that's at. Let me uh, see if there are other questions here that we can uh, get to. I think there was one from David Williams I wanted to get that I'm trying to find now. Here it was. Uh, the way Brian Allen played in high school, I was really hopeful. Hopeful. This is Brian Allen, the true freshman at Texas that uh, was a safety at Allen. Or excuse me, at Toledo. Um, I was really hopeful he would be a difference maker at safety for Texas. I hope he develops into a safety that at least plays in the two deep for Texas. So um, one is, I think Texas has the same hopes. Two is he's already up to between 210 and two, 220 pounds. If he's going to play safety, I think he's going to need to be on the lower end of that. Um, and so there's even the thought process that he may have to move down uh, to um, to linebacker if he keeps gaining weight at this point. But he did not look that big in high school. Uh, and David Williams, I agree with you. I thought he was a fantastic player with a real sense for where the ball was. Ian, your thoughts? Safeties don't play really very often anymore. These uh, pattern matching coverages that everybody runs are usually more myriad and complicated than what these kids do in high school. Especially if you're like a big physical kid like Allen, they may have simplified it for you because they just want you to be able to be free to make plays. So being able to go to, you know, reading multiple receivers at the same time, reading patterns, reading offensive linemen from 12 yards deep, all the things that safeties have to do. It's like linebacker. It usually takes time. So uh, I, I wouldn't be concerned about Allen um, for the fact that he didn't play that last year. I think that's pretty normal for most freshman safeties, setting aside the question of whether his body will take him to linebacker anyways. I've got one final question for you, Ian, before we close it out today in this live stream. I got uh, one for you, too. Thank, thank you all for uh, joining me. I want to say thanks again to Andy Ludicky, our sponsor. He's been a, a great help. Uh, Ian, this, this is the final question. Uh, for you uh, and one I want to ask you. Do you think, and this comes from Chris Gamble, do you think Quinn Ewers' uh, second half of the season regression was due to injury, mental blocks, or defensive coordinator's scheme or adjustments? I would add this, D, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was telling me that they felt that they noticed a change on how his deep balls hung in the air after the injury. I didn't notice that myself, but I don't know that that's wrong. So I'm kind of curious to go back and look at that. Um, I definitely think – so I don't know if the injury impacted him or not. He still threw the ball awfully well, whether it did or, or not. I But it could have been a factor. I definitely think that mental blocks – like early on they were able to give him a couple of games that they'd scripted and prepared for weeks in advance uh, against Alabama and o Oklahoma. And then from then on – I think his lack of familiarity and lack of came back to bite him. You know, defenses adjust to you. You might be able to turn to page two of the playbook. And, uh, you know, maybe he had only gotten half of page one down, right? Um, so all of those things, I, I think. I, I, I'll probably look at it in the offseason and see if I can get firmer conclusions. Bobby, who you got in the 6A state championships, Division One and Division Two? Who are you picking to win? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know at this point. W what are the matchups? We got North Shore, Duncanville, round four in uh, Division One, and Division Two is uh, DeSoto versus Austin Vandegrift, that new uh, that new school that's out like halfway. Uh, they're, they're producing some guys. The Vandegrift yeah. offensive lineman is one I think somebody was asking about. Uh, on this chat earlier. Um, uh, I, will go, I, I am going to go with our boys from North Shore, still having it over Duncanville, even though Duncanville, I think, has more. Duncanville, I think, has more talent than North Shore right now. Um, but North Shore seems to move the ball better on the ground. Um, and that ultimately, I think, in these games has proved more, more value, valuable, with the exception of when um, – the quarterback turned running back uh, now at Utah was the quarterback at, uh, uh, at Duncanville. He had, he had them on the precipice of that state championship until that, that uh, deep ball uh, in the, in the other game, I'm going to go with Vandegrift uh, over them because again, I think they're, they're going to run the ball better, even though Trey Wisner's in the backfield uh, for DeSoto, the Texas commitment uh, as well. Vandegrift um, has two guys, I believe that are being recruited at a high level on the offensive line. No, no doubt. One of them is going to Clemson. Yeah. Uh, 
Then they have a defensive lineman that Texas took a look at late, an edge guy. And then they have another 2024 offensive lineman that Texas is already in on as well. So I, I, that's where I'm at on that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I think it could be a situation, too, where DeSoto's speed is just too much for Vandegrift. You just don't know. That's the great thing about that's the great thing about high school football. Whereas in college football, you kind of know what the, everybody's speed will kind of actuate unless there's a team that really is just that much faster. In high school football, you just don't know. You know, it could be one one thing or the other. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who, who uh, joined us today. Uh, Manuel Posada, I, I do not have your question answered. We've reached out to both Cecilia Kana and DeAndre Moore to find out if they were mid-year graduates. We do not have an answer yet. We will post that for you on Inside Texas as soon as we get it. Uh, for everybody else, guys, thank you all for joining us. We really enjoy these live streams. It's a chance for us to get a, a feel for what you guys are asking and want to know about, and that can kind of guide us as we do our reporting as well. Also, uh, I thank uh, Ian Boyd of Inside Texas for joining me, our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of My Perfect Franchise.net. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Take care now.